0: Okay, people, it is part two of this week's podcast, and yo, this is, oh, this is a great one, right? This is a great one. We take a look at a new crime noir film, right, which is great, all gone wrong, and then we speak to the director and the star of the Lick, right so this is brought to us by the great AJ Furman so you know it's gonna be heavy hey the conversation went so long I had to split it in two so this is part one people enjoy it and then make sure you jump well you're definitely gonna jump to part two because oh man such a fire conversation so man I've spoken too much let's get it in. Okay, people, so as promised, let's take a look at this new indie crime flick. It's time for All Gone Wrong. Okay, people. It might be a new year, but my girl AJ still coming with the goodness. So, um, yeah, this is, uh, yeah, this is the first thing she's passed me, and it's a doozy, <laughs> right? You know what I mean? When AJ's involved, you know it's gonna be a good one. So the answer is always yes. So, people, when I checked out, right, this new um, indie feature, All Gone Wrong, yeah, I knew it was going to be enjoyable, right? So, this is written and directed by Josh Guffrey. Um, oh, no, there's no R. <laughs> I'm an idiot. It's Guffey right i believe so i feel that's how you pronounce it josh guffey right he also produces the film alongside frank merrill michael kennedy and barry alba S- levy kirby handles cinematography adrian stewart edits the piece johnny tackett handles the casting Production design was from Cameron McCarthy. Um Alison Schmidt handled the makeup. Um we also have got visual spec visual effects from Ali Richmond and Nick Torres. Uh sound Sean Killer. Sammy Rose Lamotte and Saul Solis, um, Dennis Boyd was um, art department second unit. We had Charlotte Lang, Jacob Miller, and Stacy Nation. So our cast people. Well, we've got Chris Havelson, right. He's our undercover cop played by Jake Kaufman. Um, Mikey' his, um, his partner, the rookie's looking after is played by Pete Winfrey. Uh, we have got do, 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 do. Jim Grace, his commanding officer, played by Peter Mayer. Um, do 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 do. Who else do we have? Um, hmm. Detective Truddle played by John Lenoos. Um, Agent Agent Singleton, played by Angeline Lebriez. There's uh Anthony Harron, played by Antonio St. James, who is um yeah, Chris's other partner. Then there's Lamont Hughes, right, played by the great Tony Todd. Uh, Jolene, played by Crystal Torres. There is do, 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 Junkie J played by Jean Marion, um, Daniel played by Jay Guffey, uh, Diddley played by Sean Brassfield, Davis played by Brendan Uchis. Um, Slim played by Le Dion. Um, Bones plays Eric, is played by Eric Petway. Goldie is played by Law X. Uh, I think that's really our main kind of crew. Um, Manny Ortega. Played by Curtis York. Um you've all got it's also got Mark Anthony Wilkes, John Shrub, um Jed Desmond all up in the piece. So um the the gist of the flick is um Okay, after his rookie partner is killed in a drug bus gone wrong, a veteran agent embarks on an unauthorized investigation revealing a vast narcotics network just under the surface of a rural town. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it, man it's uh yeah it's a gritty piece it's a gritty piece and boy you know what I mean listen I knew it was gonna be good but it's just like how good is it gonna be right and I tell you this was frigging exceptional right this is Josh's feature debut his feature debut made three shorts before this but this was the feature, and homie knocks it out the park, right? So there's a director's statement, and these things are always interesting, right? So this one says, "I needed a story to tell in my first film class at the University of Iowa in 2006. My sister had become a police officer for our hometown PO, no SPD, in." Bettendorf, IA, the year before. I reached out to her about meeting her colleagues to hear stories of being on duty in the hope that one would spark an idea for a short film to make in my class. Her shift captain had worked undercover narcotics in the 80s, and he told me a story after, he told me story after story about cases, criminals, deaths, and arrests. One in particular had echoes of my favorite movies, film noir, westerns, crime films, and it became the genesis for All Gone Wrong. In the mid-1980s, a small rural Illinois town overrun with a drug trafficking problem didn't have the personnel to combat it. One of their top cops reached out to an elite Illinois State Police Task Force for help and one of their best undercover cops was picked to go into the town alone learn the terrain, build a case and dismantle the narcotics trade with no help from the local police. In fact if he was arrested by local PD he would be booked and processed like a regular criminal. Boy I mean that's not really an incentive is it? (laughs) <laughs> Months later, he emerged with a host of arrests and the, and left the organized drug network largely in disarray. This case is immediately brought to mind Sergio Leone's Fistful of dollars and Akira Kurosawa's Yogi Bomo. Both stories of a stranger walking or riding into town playing all of the shady types off each other and escaping the chaos as the last man standing. The stranger in a broken town quality to this real story sent me into years of research that revealed the true depth of undercover and nar- nar- narcotics work, touching on many of today's critical issues. Criminal justice reform, civil forfeiture cycles of incarnation race corruption and on and on i came out of the proce- of that process envisioning a character so completely dedicated to his destructive tradecraft that he failed to see what was actually happening around him a deadly shooting opens His eyes and ears to decide what to do with his new sight. I mean, right? In the years spent researching and creating this story, I've gone from being a hungry college kid to a husband and a father working as a commercial director. This movie has been playing in my head for most of my adult life. It was. And is an obsession Somebody told me that you shouldn't make the movie you want to make You should make the movie you need to make I needed to make this movie I hope after people see it They will understand why it needed to be made Right? I mean, right? That's a lot of passion, people And it shows It shows in this film Right, going in, I did not know this was Josh's first film. Right, this looks like something from a seasoned vet. Right, everyone involved just kills it. Right, you can have like an assumption of what you probably will be seeing, you know? Because we've had films of late with a similar ill. Um, But this is something, man, this is something intense, right? I would liken this to The Wire. You know what I mean? And I'm not joking, right? Because I think what you often get with undercover work and this kind of story, it's kind of glitzy, right? It's kind of flashy it's real slick and sharp and you know this isn't that this is going into like a lot of detail you know what i mean just in how they're running um oh god what do you call the people not a perk like um she. i cannot remember man but someone you've got right someone you're running Right, the, the way they're running them, it, it, there's a lot of detail that makes it fascinating. Right, it, it's not really skipping over anything, and that's it, it sucks you in. Right, because I say The Wire because I remember watching The Wire. Right, I came to it a bit late, um, just because the way it was airing over in the UK. A lot of people have been talking about it. I remember watching the first few episodes going, I mean, it's interesting, but I don't know. And then episode three, suddenly I'm just like, why the fuck are they doing that? Yeah, and I realized, man, I'm I'm all in now, right? I'm all in. And this film just drags you in, right? And you might not even realize how deep you've gotten. We have tremendous performances, tremendous performances here, right? Makes you believe everything, right? You can see that Kaufman is, you know what I mean, (laughs) a vet, right? You can see that he's been in this for a while. Like Chris has seen a lot. He's haggard, but he's passionate about it. Right, you can see that Jolene, right? There's stuff, of, there's layers to her, you know. And when she says, I'll need you to come and save me, I can save myself, right? You believe that, man? And <laughs> Junkie J, right? Marin really puts on a performance with that. It's like the itch, it like you feel that he's like you know what I mean. He's on it, right? Everyone really delivers with these performances. It is, man, it is so so good, so good. Like Goldie, Goldie kind of reminds me a little of Omar. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it it's just. Man, it's tremendous. It really is. So not only does Josh bring us an incredible layered story with so many twists and turns, right? But everything's very logical here. You know what I mean? There's, there's there doesn't feel like there's any deus ex machina. You know what I mean? Just be like, oh, right, okay, but. I know there was no indication of that during the fit no, 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 no. everything that we see be like, okay, yeah, of course that would happen, and yes, that would go there, even the way this ends, you know what I mean, this ends in a way that seems very fitting for everything we have just seen, right? It really does I mean there's there's a crazy bit that happens but you feel it kind of had to right with, with the way people are living and all of this it has to do that and then the ending man because you think one thing's gonna take place and then it but you don't know you don't know it's left on a little ooh. <laughs> you know what i'm saying so it, it just felt right this felt right in a story, which I think after you, you know, what I mean? you read that statement and some other information about Josh and the team that uh, brought all of this to life, you'd be like, yeah, that, that really, you know, what I mean? that felt perfect, right? That really did because it it can't feel fake right it can't feel just like eh right it has to have a weight to it and this had a weight to it you know it really did right which is so good right so you know, it, 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 it all came together with a team, right? So Josh, Jake, um, Frank, Merle, Barry Aberett, and Michael Kennedy. It, you know, they came together to bring this vision to life. And something that has taken nearly 15 years, right, to come like this, because, you know, there's a load of people that have passion projects. And you watch them, you go, that was a good effort, right? It's flawed, but I can see what you were trying to do. But, you know what I mean? This feels, it feels like it's from a big studio, right? We've had some great films that are gritty, right? There was um Destroyer. You know, from um, ah, I think that was 2018, right? Saw it at London Film Festival, tremendous film. And and this felt like something like that. You know? So if you like, you mean that 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 real gritty undercover crime kind of caper, you know, like um God damn! What's under the knee? Is it Surgico, 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 Right, that one. You've got like you know Donny Brasco. You know, as I said, The Wire. If if you enjoy that sort of story, Destroyer as well, man. Then trust me, people, you will enjoy All Gone Wrong. You really will. It's like the cinematography. The acting, the the you know, the score, everything fits together to paint this picture, this picture of corruption and one man's fight to try and get answers and bring shit to light. Right? That's what this is. That's what it is. And when we look at the real world right we look at the world we live in and how your know, people try and bring things to light and it doesn't go that well things get messy right and this reflects all of that this isn't you know what I mean <laughs> the corruption by numbers is not that story right this this is legit this is legit it feels looks man just breathes legitness so if this is what you want in your life if you love that kind of story you will not go wrong we've all gone wrong people trust me trust aj this shit is fire Okay, so now, people, it is time for part one of this great conversation with Josh Guffey, who wrote and directed the flick and the star of the film, and also who was behind a lot of the creative stuff about the film, creating the film, the ideas and all of that, Jake Kaufman. So people, people. Hey, just sit back and enjoy, and you will enjoy this. It is ah such a great combo. So it's part one. Let's go. Okay, people. So it's the start of a new year, and we are coming with a uh, another great conversation. Out the gates right i have got for you today josh guffey and jake kaufman right two of the creatives behind the new indie just crime ooh noir just great story all gone wrong gentlemen thank you very much for your time really appreciate it
1: thank you Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate it.
0: So, I watched this film, right? I watched this film, and out the gate, I'm gonna say I loved it. This film was exceptional. Cool. Then I went, biz, you know, to to do a little prep and everything. I opened IMBD. Josh, how the fuck is this your first feature? <laughs> like this is this is like this felt like it was a seasoned vet film right the performances were just exceptional like how is this your first feature man like that that's it's crazy to me well you know
2: this took a long time to make and i think over the course of those years i stayed busy i you know we we worked on this the script for a long time together jake and i you know when we we met back in 2007 uh, in Chicago, and and that's where we we started to to talk about working together. And then in 2008, that's when I first started writing the script. And then in you know fast forward these 15 years, I've been able to you know make short films and and write other movies, and then also be a commercial video director and things like that. So I felt comfortable on set, and then also the crew that we did this with, I had worked with many times, and and then the last piece is the is the actors and, and all of them are so experienced that you can just, you know, when everybody is so prepared, you can just kind of come in and just be a resource for them. You know, they're, they're going to take the lead on their own part. And so, you know, I'm just there to kind of, you know, provide an environment for them to do good work. And, and I was, I felt comfortable that I could do that. And I didn't need to be, you know, I didn't need to micromanage anybody. Everybody was just on their game. And so it was, It was fun to prepare for this, knowing that we had actors that just, you know, they've been around the block. And that's the thing about making an independent film is everybody on set has more experience than you as a director. You know, like everybody's made way more movies than you have. So it's like trust everybody and good things happen, you know.
0: Mm. But with with that, right, with the fact that you're working with people that might have more experience than you how do you get them involved, right? Yeah. How do you convince these people to give you their time?
2: You know, and Jay, Jay can speak to this too. Basically, like, you know, when, when you know, you make a good point, like you're always pitching the movie to people. E- even, you know, when I was first starting out, you think, oh, I just need to, I need to craft my pitch for like the right investor and they'll give us the money. And you think like, oh, I'm going to talk to this producer and I'm going to have this perfect pitch, but The reality is everybody who gets involved has to be pitched, like because everybody has so many of the things they can do with their time. Um, And then, you know, when it comes down to talent and like people like Tony Todd, you know, they they need a little bit of pitching. And then so you, you just basically try to show them why you're the person to tell this story and, you know, the research I had done and then my connection, you know, my, my, my sister is a police officer and she's the one who introduced me to some of these people that the story is inspired by. And so being able to have some of that firsthand um, research done, you know, I felt really confident that I could depict it. And then this is my genre. I mean, crime thriller, that's like, that's like my, you know, reality TV. So like, whatever, <laughs> like if, if somebody was going to ask me why I make this type of movie, it's like, well, why, why am I breathing? You know, like, that's kind of the whole point.
0: Man. So Jake, what, what kind of made you want to be involved in this?
1: I, well, I, you know, I loved cops and robbers as a kid. Um, and so I, I too love a crime thriller. Um, and it's just a it's a juicy role and you know undercover cop i grew up you know i watched miami vice i you know (laughs) um i was always intrigued by it and and always i don't know the idea of uh you know of having a secret you know and 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 trying to complete a mission and and the two you know coupled with the the world uh it just excited me and uh and you know Josh and I started talking about it years ago and we had very similar interests we liked the similar movies similar filmmakers and um you know so just from a story aspect and a character aspect i was hooked right away and then getting to know Josh back in the day and his level of inspiration um it, 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 i mean it inspired me um and so, uh, you know, he kept, it, it's, it's wild. Yeah. It, I, I think it was his vision, his focus and his determination to get this thing done that kept me on, you know, kept me coming back and we, we kept working on it and we kept and we did, uh, you know, we did over the years, we did different shoots, you know, we did what, three different shoots. Uh, yeah. of the scene right. Uh, for, you know, to, to put together, put with an investor deck. And and so we, we, we worked uh, on the story together at times. Right. And, and so when we got to the, you know, principal photography of the, of the main feature shoot, uh, in 2019, you know, a a lot of the groundwork had been laid for, you know, for, I think for Josh also for me as well. And so, um, yeah, I, I i did i answer you i think i answered your part of your question <laughs> <laughs> i think i got sidetracked
0: <laughs> no no yeah you that that was good that was good like this like taking 15 years that's a long time right so yeah. what kept you going because there must have been points where you're like i don't know if this is going to happen Right. Or or other things just pulling you in a different direction. Maybe there was offers to direct another film or, you know, do something else. So what kept you on this journey?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think honestly, like the amount of advice you get from unsolicited advice you get from people over the years on how to get things done or how to do things that that was probably, you know, the thing that you wrestle with the most over a course of that period, because, you know, when I first started out, you know i i was just talking to a friend about this like at the time video cameras were great but they weren't like considered for serious films you know like mm. jeff nichols had made shotgun stories and you're like oh man this guy did it like he got he shot his thing on 35 and you know so you're thinking oh i need to raise enough money to shoot this on 35 and then and then fast forward to when we shot some proof of concept footage in la in like 2011 2012 um, we shot it on a red and it was like, okay, great, now now video is to a place, but can we afford even to like have the storage to like, you know, we still needed a fair chunk of change to get it done. And then, you know, now it's like when we finally made the movie, we're making it on DSLRs. Like we shot the whole movie on a Sony A7S2 or or two of those. And you know, we just kind of hung around until technology kind of came to us. And then on top of that, it it was not seen as, you know, a shortcoming. It's not like we were shooting on DV anymore. And Mm -hmm. so when somebody like Tony would come in, you know, he's not, he's not asking us when he wants to do the movie, like what camera we're shooting it on. He doesn't, that's not what he's Mm -hmm. interested in. He's interested in working the material. And so, you know, over all those years, yeah, there was times when I was like, man, I just don't know if I can muster the strength. But the thing is, it's like, I, Either you do that and you get it done and you make the movie or you'll just always have that over your head. You always think like, why, why didn't that happen? What is it about, you know, the movie or myself or, you know, whatever, you know, you, you could second guess it all day long. And so at the end of the day, it was like, I just want to be a closer. I just want to have made this movie and I want to get, get to the end and, and see it through. And so then by the time, know i lived in st louis at the time someone gave me the great advice they were like set a shoot date and that was the missing piece it was like you're you're constantly waiting for somebody to start the moving train for you to say yes to you to like be the one to like validate what you're doing and at the end of the day it's it took it took setting a shoot date and then oddly putting that cart before the horse made all those conversations flow that had to happen it got It got, you know, a friend of a friend, Frank Merle, who's now a close friend. Uh, He was a producer in L.A. He had done a movie with Tony. I sent Frank the script. He said yes to doing to producing the movie. Then Tony said yes to being in the movie. And then we started getting some investors. We we had a successful Kickstarter and we were off. And it was all because we kept saying we have this shoot date. We're for real. We are we have the we have the package. We have the deck. We have the plan, we have the cast, we're looking for yes answers. And then, so that directness got a lot of investors, like local investors who had never invested in a movie before to basically feel that momentum. Because a lot of times you're know you saying, hey, we need this much money. And then, but there's no like, yeah, but when are you gonna get the money and when are you gonna shoot? And like, there's all these unknowns that you can't say. But if you're like, hey, we're gonna shoot this movie on this date you start to get people being like, okay, I've got to give you an answer. And then Mm -hmm. people start saying yes. And so that's, that was like, you know, the most helpful thing was just be a, just be a person of action and, and, you know, have that vision quest, you know, that was like sort of like the last piece that I needed. And, you know, with the mental thing, frankly, it's, it's something that you just have to push through because, you know, everybody's got imposter syndrome. And that was, that was me, you know, and, and then uh, you just, you just go make it happen. And if it doesn't work out, at least you're like, Hey, I, I I gave this the most honest run I could possibly give it. And, and I knew Jake was, you know, he's a close friend and he's super supportive and um, he was there from the beginning. So, you know, however this shook out, whether it was made or not, I think he would have, he would have been okay with, but, But once it started
1: to go, it was like, let's just give it all we have, you know? Mm -hmm. You gotta throw your hat over the wall, as they say, I guess sometimes.
0: Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. Because yeah, like, is the the worst that can happen, you fail, right? And and it's just like, failure isn't a bad thing. Especially if you put everything in it, because you know what I mean? You learn so much from failing. Right. Yeah. So it, it, failing doesn't mean you can't try again. Yeah. Right. Or, or you learn something to take you in a different direction, but you got to try. So yeah, and, great that and, you
2: did. Yeah. And sorry to butt in again. But like and, and it wasn't it wasn't even like at that point. OK, now we just had to walk through this doorway and everything was OK. Like it was a couple weeks before we were shooting and a bunch of investors dropped out and we had we had to scrape together enough money to keep the dates with Tony. And so we only shot five days instead of the full feature. And we kept our days with Tony. And then, and then we had to go back to all the actors that were supposed to be in the rest of the film and be like, hey, give us some time. We need to raise our some money, but we did shoot with Tony. And so then we spent three months raising money. And then we went and shot the rest of the movie, you know, three months later. And then we ran out of money. So we had to like cut the footage into an investor trailer and hold an investor reception to try to like, or, you know, we called it a trailer premiere Hmm. and then we invited some, some people that were within our network and within our network of some of our uh, existing investors. But it was so iterative. It wasn't like, Hey, we just got this full, full budget. And now let's just go make it and spend it. It was like, it was so like, hand to mouth, and that's that's one of the reasons why we shot on a DSLR, that's one of the reasons why we didn't have any art department, we just had to walk into locations. So all those locations just had to be good or else, because we had no time to, to prep them or dress them, um, let alone create anything. So, um, but that attitude of like, we have to keep going, this is gonna be a movie, and just having that love for the genre, that love for this type of story, And then seeing everybody's enthusiasm, making it and just having that collaboration and letting everybody know that, like, it's a moving train and and we want you here. Um, That was that was important to me.
0: Man, that see, that's really interesting that you said that, right? Because I think a lot of people, the assumption is, all right, so I'm going to get a a big chunk of money and I'm going to go out and make the film and we'll shoot for this many days and that's how it is but the fact that no investors drop out right but you still keep those dates with Tony which is huge and which must that must be helpful in the fact of you've got Tony Todd so you've got this well-known person So when you're going out to investors, you can be like, look, this is the foot. We've got this footage. We've got this person on board. It's a name. So he's going to help draw people to the finished feature. So that must help. But it's the fact that there are these hurdles that came up, but you kept on going. You kept on pushing through, which is a huge one, I feel, for, you know, anyone trying to do something. So that's really good for people to hear, man.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's not easy. I mean, because I remember, I think it was news to Tony when we were shooting with him. And I think it just kind of gotten mentioned that, like, we were only shooting those five days. Because he shot four days and we had an extra day Mm. that... um, and 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 I and, you know he was like well you guys got to finish this and he was very supportive but you know it's not it's not an easy conversation to have when you have these like fits and starts and you know um, it it was after we finished the last scene with Tony and like we had all these problems you know we lost money we were we weren't we were far away from finishing even shooting the film but like we had Tony in the can. And i just had to step outside and and jake was like the only one there and i just i wrote down a little bit because i was like i think we're gonna make it i think we're gonna i think we're gonna get to the end of this process even though we're in the middle of it i could see the end um for the first time because tony was in the can and it was like it it kind of messed with me a little bit it's it sort of like it was sort of all those years of trying to get it going um because at that point that was 2019 and you know like I said I started right in 2008 so it had been 11 years at that point so it was it was kind of all those years just kind of coming down on me and um but you just I don't know It either it's either that or you just work your day job and just keep you know rinse and repeat and that just wasn't mm. acceptable you know
0: yeah so, I mean Jake what how did you feel about all of this? What did this feel like to you? Because you know, mate, you've have look, the fact that you've been in the game for a while, right? You've done, you've made films and stuff, and you're coming into this project. Like, have you had you come across this kind of situation before? And then when you came when when it all was going down, how like what was your mindset around it all?
1: Yeah. Um, well, my experience, I mean, this was my first, I, I'd done a couple small parts in, in a couple of indie features and then I'd done a, a ton of short films and a, you know, a lot of little comedy stuff like out in LA when we, we moved out to LA together in 2009. And, and while I was out there, um, I, I ended up running with a crew. I, I'd, I'd, I'd met uh, in Chicago, a couple of them and they introduced me to a bunch of people. And so, Um, I was lucky to work with so many talented people on so many talented projects, So a lot of smaller projects. So I, you know, I've been used to the, the smaller project, you know, through most of my, my acting experience and, um, you know, and with this, and so this, honestly, like I I say this to my friends, I'm like, this is the best 19 days of my life, man. Like, Mm -hmm. oh shit. Uh, it was a freaking dream every day I woke up and I was on the call sheet, you know, and I was on most of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and and just everything. I mean, you know, throughout the years and in the, in the space in between the shooting and the and the plans and everything, I, I've had this this role and this movie in my back pocket. It's like a, it's been running a parallel track to my life for the last 13, 14, 15, you know, 15 years now. And so it's, it was always there and I, and I, and it was just like, you know, you know, hope is a dangerous word they say or something, you know, but I was like, God, oh God, I was, it was like a juicy steak that I was like, <laughs> you know, just waiting to sink my teeth into. And so I, you know, I, I feel like I, I had been so close to the project and the character for so long that I had a lot of my emotional prep and everything you know, as far as like actor prep goes, I had so much of it ready to go. And then, you know, in the, in the final prep leading up to it, you know, the, the, working with the, the police officers um, that Josh introduced me to and doing the ride alongs and then doing the physical work with the, with the weapon, the weapons training stuff and, and all of that, it was just, uh, man, it was just the culmination of, of just all the awesomeness, you know? And so I, and the bumps and the ups, the downs, like the onset, I need another take. Josh is like, we don't have time for another take. (laughs) You know, it's like, (laughs) damn it. (laughs) I mean, that was like, as an actor, and I I feel really lucky um, that Josh made it, made the process such that I could focus more on, on my acting and my prep and and my day to day, like what I needed to do for whatever scene I was shooting that day. Um, And so, uh, I, I was a little bit, I didn't feel all of the bumps and bruises. I don't think that Josh and in the, in the in production did, um, you know, until the camera, camera was rolling. And so I, you know, I don't know, man, I, I honestly, I, there was a little bit of a, man, I'm just happy to be here, happy to be doing this and I'm going to roll with whatever, you know what I mean? And trust mm-hmm. and I trust Josh, I have trusted Josh from the word go um, and, and trusting that we got what we need and trusting that, you know, I brought what we needed for, for whatever scene we were working on. And so, you know, in a lot of ways, that was a big part of my experience is, is just, it's just the trust fall and leaning back into whatever it was, even, if, even if in the moment I was like, yeah, damn it. Um, just I breathe through it, let it go. And, Trust, we got it, and move on, you know, because you know, and, and then th- th- that's the fun of it too. It was like we were running and gunning, man. It was like, I mean, we were like, how many times, Josh? Was it like we're running out of light? We have time for one more take. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was there was
2: one in, one moment in particular, and you know, not to get into spoilers, but it's it's one of the it's one of the final scenes of the movie, and we it was after we had a company move. It was our second location of the day, so we're getting there. We're getting there kind of late, and. It got to the point where, you know, we had all this coverage planned because it's kind of a big moment, but it was like, okay, we have enough light for one more take if we can block all of these things into one shot. And so it was like, <laughs> let's just make this a one-shot sequence and we have one shot at that. And and then, you know, like, we started it and then some, something didn't go right. And then basically our VP, Levi Kirby, was like, because, you know, we're using the easy rig. It's that harness where, like, comes over the top and the camera's yeah. on a cable so you can have like a little bit smoother handheld and and basically he was like I'm ditching this I'm just going to go straight handheld I'm going to pull my own focus and I'm just going to take the whole shot into my hands and and I was like all right let's just do a quick block rehearsal this is where this is going to be this is this beat and we just blocked it all out and then luckily everybody was on point and we and we got it in and it was and then like literally not 30 seconds after we wrapped that shot, like the sun was gone
1: and it was like,
2: (sighs) man. Yeah. And it was like, well, we made the day. Let's leave before we (laughs) second. Guess it. You know?
1: Yeah. Dude. And Levi, man, Levi was running and gunning as much as any of us. Some some days Uh, he was amazing. Yeah. And that's the thing too. It's like, you know, you're
2: only able to make a movie in a certain way if everybody is sort of well-rehearsed in how to do that. And so, you know, in working with him, it was like, um, you know, he we, we were used to shooting corporate stuff like, you know, he would shoot events or he would, you know, we were shooting commercials on a smaller scale. And and uh, and so he basically would told me he was like, hey, as we're going, you know, you're just going to need to know what are the three shots you have to get in every scene to cut the scene? Because we might have to make that choice and not shoot all the coverage. And so just knowing that going into each scene, that really helped me. And then, you know, really towards the end of the shoot, I I kind of really stopped looking at my shot list just because you just get the movie in your rhythm. Mm. You start to realize, okay, well, this is the kind of movie we're making. This is the kind of shots we're doing. These are the lenses that we're on. And then you just kind of start knowing what is going to happen as you walk into each location. And and that feeling is, is so amazing um, to, to, to feel like you you, you, you know, you have so much trust in everybody around you and everyone's doing their job. You don't have to like worry about what's going on that you can just walk in and be like, okay, we're going to be here, here, here. And then if we have time, we can get this other stuff. But um, yeah, that was an amazing feeling. And that's, but it was a product of basically having 19 days. And I think we had a company move almost every day. Um, it was, it was pretty intense.
0: Man, like, Jake, you said something, which, you know, it must be really important with this trust, right? You trusted in Josh and the, what he was going to do. So, firstly, how did you two meet? Right, you met in two thousand and eight. Like, how did all of how did you know? I mean, all of this really get going.
1: Yeah, we we met on the set of. um uh, a little um, s- web series. Yeah. Uh, a spy thriller web series that was, uh, it was a little, I, I guess, campy. Is that it am I generous? Yeah. It was like, it was like an
2: English teacher
1: was like a spy at night or something like that. And he,
2: <laughs> and he, and he was like this, like, kind of like, you know, John Shaft, like, kind of like, you know, yeah, it was, the idea was, was fine, but you know, we were like, okay, right, that's what we're doing here. And I was, I was just a PA on it. I mean, I was just starting out. I mean, this was like later, later the same year I graduated school. So I was just trying to meet crews and work in Chicago and you were one of the actors in it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's right. It was, and it was, you know, it was, it was speaking to those small productions, Kevin, that, you were, that we were talking about it was definitely a small production and kind of slapped together a little bit. And, um, And I think it was at lunch. I don't know what it was. Josh just has this sort of energy about him. And I was like, Hey man, what's up? And we just started, started gabbing. And, and I'm, you know, I'm sure we were talking within five minutes, we were talking about our favorite movies and like what we, you know, loved about spy movies or loved about cop movies. And, Mm -hmm. um, and I forget was that, that was just like a day or two shoot, I think. Um, And then, I forget. Did we we made plans to hang out or something? I think at some point. Uh, yeah. Time and, and then, or, yeah. You, or was that was that when you were? Had, I think this was after you had a screening of a, of the the three films that you shot in in college. I think.
2: Yeah. It might there have been later like, on though. Yeah, there was like a buddy in Chicago that was like, "Hey, if you have any short films, maybe just send them to me, and I'll include them in like a screening thing." And you know, so I. I sent him some, some of my shorts and then, yeah, you came to that. And, um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty organic. Cause you know, at that time it's like, you're just, cause the only way, cause like ca- cameras to me at that time were a little, you know, out of my price range. So like, you just have to constantly, like you got to get that friend group or else like mm-hmm. you just can't make anything, you know? So it was nice to meet Jake and be like, okay, I've got an actor. I've got like a leading man actor and like I
0: better stay friends with
1: this guy or else like, you know, then I'm back to the drawing board, you know? So yeah. It was, it was pretty soon that you, I, that you uh, introduced me to, there were a couple of books that you, you were into at the time that I, that you, what was it? I forget which one. So we were talking about a bank robbery movie at one point too, I think. Um, yeah. Well, there was, so, I
2: mean, this is, this is getting way off the beaten path, but like we were, we were going to do like a, like a satire, like a fake documentary for, about a terrorism insurance salesman. And you were going to be this like, thank you for smoking, Aaron Eckhart kind of swarmy terrorism insurance salesman. And because I had heard an NPR story about how like after 9-11, terrorism insurance was like a huge market. It was like mm-hmm. people and like big buildings were buying policies and stuff. There were worried planes are gonna fly into them. I was like, oh man, this this is like this is a this is a great kind of like fake doc that we could do. And so we started talking about that. And then like we, and then I was just reading undercover books because I was still wanting to make a cop film because I had done some cop stuff in, in college because my sister had introduced me to some police officers and we started this research thing and uh and i just mentioned it and you were like okay let's do that yeah <laughs> you were like that yeah.
1: sounds that sounds hot it let's happened that. like that <laughs> and yeah. then we were up and running <laughs> yeah
0: yeah. okay so yeah. like what were like some of the inspirations that you were both talking about like books and films and tv what were the kind of things that you were kind of bonding over and kind of like the the inspiration for you know the stuff that you wanted to do yeah go no
1: yeah
2: well (laughs) so i mean from a movie perspective it was like i was i was kind of all about michael mann like he is my favorite movie and i was like okay i i want to do what he because i loved hearing about his preparation and how like his attention to detail and things like that so i was like okay this guy is kind of showing me what it's like to be a professional like when you have to become a director. You got to be obsessed with the details. And so I was like, okay, this could be something that I could apply that to. But then, you know, when I heard the real story that this was inspired by, I was like, that is a Western. That's like, that's like a fistful of dollars. It's like a, a, a man strides into town, plays everybody off each other. Nobody really knows who he is. And then he, he's the only one who leaves like unscathed at the end. And like, So I was like, okay, what if I did like a spaghetti Western or like a Western with sort of a Michael Mann approach that's like a grounded sort of like, you know, guy dedicated to his job kind of thing. And then of course, you know, you have like, because it's in a rural setting, it's like then things like Winter's Bone started to sort of be a good kind of like comp, you know, or like, I remember Animal Kingdom was like, like, like the original Australian film was a, was a, was a real sort of like tone inspiration for a long time. Um, and, uh, and then like later when it became more of a mystery, like detective story, like I really wanted to, like, I watched the spy who came in from the cold a lot. Cause I, you know, just the, the idea of, of, you know, a lot of those themes and, 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 and I, and I just like that, that adult way of telling it, like that kind of you know, frankly, just kind of slower,
1: less action oriented way of doing it. Mm -hmm. Um,
2: Yeah. What about you, Jake?
1: Yeah, I mean, Michael Mann is definitely a, 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 one of mine as well. You know, Sonny Crockett, as far as you know, from a character perspective, I was, you know, I, I, you know, you're a kid, you, you, you love Sonny Crockett. Um, yeah, Jake, Jake, really wanted an alligator as a pet for his cat. yeah. He wanted it so bad. He wanted to live on a boat and have an alligator. Yeah, yeah. You know, if we'd had a little bit more money in the budgets, that would yeah. be great. I was like, dude, we can't get a
2: Ferrari. All right, let's let's just stop. Yeah. Right.
1: <laughs> and then um as far you know like of course serpico is a is a dark 70s and i loved a lot of that sort of 70s uh, where you know it's really it's it's dark you know and you're kind of um, you're seeing the 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 darkest aspects of the character, you know, the fear, the anxieties and, and all of that. So that's resonated with me over the years. You know, I grew up, you know, on Star Wars on the first trilogy and, and Harrison Ford was one of my first heroes. He's, he's more of a boy scout than he is like an undercover cop, I think. But, um, uh, he, you know, Harrison Ford's always been, you, you know, uh, one of my, one of my, um, uh, I don't know. I, I wanted to be Indiana Jones uh, when I was. <laughs> big, <you> know, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Really Story, I suppose. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think a lot of the Michael Mann stuff, and then you know the undercover cop uh, thing. I mean, like, was it? Is it Rush? Is that the movie, Josh? Uh, yeah, Rush uh, was an interesting one yeah. because, like,
2: it's like Rush, and then also like it. You know, it's spiritual sequel narc the other jason patrick movie yeah 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 yeah. those two were big and like and and so you know as the project kept going you know you see all these projects and you're like do we want to tell tell it like narc you know where it's like this like in terms of the photography where it's like Mm. incredibly contrasty like you know like there's just all like you the project takes so long and then and then in all of these entries in the genre just show up that you just Become obsessed with that, you'd sort of get paralyzed by choices. So you're like, okay, well, I'm just gonna kind of throw it out the window after at some point and just be like, what feels right, what's possible. Maybe the means of production will influence the style and not be so worried about homages or anything like that. But you know, you mentioned um, Serpico and Lumet was a is a huge inspiration for me, and I love just his, you know, I I call it like just sort of like the adult way of telling these stories and like you know, Dog Day Afternoon, it has that, has like those thrilling aspects, but it's like, but it's also kind of told like a documentary in so many ways, and and there's so many scenes that are staged like a documentary in that, and we had whole sequences, you know, Kevin, you've seen the movie now, like, we're at the beginning of the movie, you know, we're sort of showing the rookie, like, how things work, and we're going through the police station, and he's seeing, like, you know the informant come in and stuff like that and we just kind of blocked like a 20 minute set of action and just let our dp run it like a doc and just follow and we would just do it where okay now you follow this character for this full run of action now you follow and then we would do a couple of takes like that and then we would do now you follow this character and then and we and we would build these sequences and these scenes kind of with sort of a doc style because that was that was what we were able to do well, just as like a crew, you know, like, and, um, and, you know, you just kind of like turn off a couple of lights and, you know, create, create kind of an atmosphere. And then you just kind of run it and you just Mm. say, whatever this looks like, it's going to look like, like it's going to feel real. And, and then I think the actors enjoyed it, you know, and Jake, you can speak way more to that, but where you give them these longer runs where they can just kind of like interact and improvise and just kind of be the character, you know?
1: Yeah. From Antonio to Pete to Peter, like the the, the the crew we had for that sequence, like they're really, really talented guys, really enjoyed it, sort of inhabiting the space and inhabiting the character. And um, that was a, that was a lot of fun to, to roll those sequences. And, and these guys are, um, you know, un, unselfish in the sense that, you know, some some people tune out when they're not on camera. That wasn't the case. Like there, there was an atmosphere that was created by these guys. And then Levi. Kind of move through it capturing different elements of it it was, it was that was one of my that was a fun day of
0: shooting i really enjoyed that oh man yeah. like that those beginning is funny right there's a couple of things that you just mentioned which really i felt hit home for me watching this right like when you're talking about um man and the the detail because one thing i said when i did the review for this was you go, it like, there's there's films that have dealt with undercover and everything like that. They, and they've been really good films. A lot of them, though, often feel very slick. You know what I mean? It's just like, okay, so he's going undercover. Oh, now he's picked up some drugs and he's going here and you're like, what about wait, is it that simple? You know what I mean? But with this, you, like, you're like showing him photocopy the money and talk to the perp and just all of this level of detail and i was just like this is the thing that really brings the legitimacy to this piece right this is why i was just like this is no fucking first time (laughs) filmmaker (laughs) because it was just like this this level of detail just sucks you in i remember watching the wire and like the way they used to show stuff over here at one point, it'd be on at 9. Then the next week, it's on at 10. And so you could, it was real hard to follow shows. And yeah. I came, and so it's just like, I remember hearing about The Wire, but they were messing around with the time. And it was just like, I'm going to wait and, and, you know, try and get the DVD. Yeah. So then a, a bit of time went by and I finally get it. And I'm watching it and I'm just like, yo, this is gritty as fuck. But I wasn't like in it. But then by episode three, I'm just like, why are you doing this? This (laughs) isn't, Jesus Christ, man. And I realized I'm just sucked in. And it was like that level of detail just draws you in. And that's what happens with this film, that you just get sucked in by the nuance, right? And the way everything is unfolding. And then you also, then you mentioned the way you shot that beginning bit and you're following different people. The thing I loved about that is, then when the thing happens you're not really suspecting it because you don't know what direction we're going in right we don't know who are we actually gonna follow there's certain things are said so it's like oh this could be that or it could go here like what and then we would be like whoa i didn't think that was gonna happen Leo. what the fuck? and so <laughs> that, that was just a masterpiece for me that that really works so well because it just keeps you gripped and keeps you like what are we doing who who are we following who's the hero here who who are we rooting for you know <laughs> you know it's funny because so you mentioned the wire and like
2: you know the creators of that show is you know a detective and and a newspaper man and so they're and then they're they're casting a couple people who are like you know real baltimore figures and mm. so you know, they're, they're choosing like, hey, it's easier, it's easier to dramatize something when it's real than inventing it whole cloth. And so they're probably just transcribing some of their memories, you know, into that show. And so when I was starting out, like I knew that I could very, if, if, if I wanted to, if I just sort of left it to my own devices, my movie brain would take over and, and my homage brain would take over and it would just become kind of just like a low-budget, copy of a copy of a copy of a cop Mm -hmm. film and so then you know some of these some of this research I did like especially for that opening sequence it becomes just a straight transcription of some of the stuff I saw and and heard on these ride-alongs on these days where I would just watch them and use and I learned that rural undercover cops they're it's like a sales job I mean that's basically what it is they're they have this they they will start their day picking through trash to find any kind of slim reason to have a search warrant for a house. And then they will just hit the phones for hours and they'll just call their informants and they'll literally just, it'll be like half a dozen guys all on the phone. The the boss is like, get me a deal. Like, we gotta, we gotta set something up. And then on when they're on the phone, they're like, Is it gonna be me? You know, I can. I can play this kind of guy. And then their informants, like, no, I'll do it. Just, just watch it happen, you know? And, and, and then, you know, as I kept doing that, they're like, like there's a scene where a guy talks about how it works, like, you know, like just keep it going. And Mm -hmm. it's because some of their informants were guys that they busted. And then now some of the, and then, you know, he might not work with them anymore down the road, but, then they're using informants to get back at him and it's literally it's so cyclical it's like guys just rotate in and out and it's literally this churn and it's and that's why like this sort of war on drugs is just at a stasis it's like there is no progression there's no like okay now we've reached this level we're going to go to this level you know they don't care about moving up the ladder because guys are making detective guys are moving up in their career and they use this undercover work as a means to get promoted and so there's so much so much that i saw and like the civil forfeiture stuff and and i was like man this is if this is really how it works i've never seen that before so i want to i want to find a way to to organize a lot of these stories that i had heard and get them to gel into this sort of thriller detective kind of structure and then um you know that, that's, because I, I was like, I'd rather see something that felt real to me that I had seen, and then if somebody is, doesn't like it, I'd be like, well, then you don't like what's happening in real life. And then try to invent something, which I feel like, I you know, I don't do that work for a living. I don't know how to invent it, you know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, there, as I said, look, there was definitely stuff here that I just hadn't seen before. Right? And so that that just made it so interesting to me, you know.
1: And as an as an actor, if I can pipe in on just some of the, it, it, I, I, like honestly, you call it, there were sort of mundane activities, right? Like the some of the day to day of of doing that. And, and you know, as an actor, I, I love having an activity in a scene. You know, it, it draws my focus, and so I'm not thinking about performance or thinking about anything else. I'm I'm doing something. I'm in the middle of something, and um you know i think that was that's always fun to do um and uh uh you know i think if you ask any actor (laughs) there i think a lot of actors that at least that i know are like yeah it's great stuff um (laughs) and it's atmospheric and and that was one of the things i I learned about uh um that's also uh uh, speaking to like the prep that, that that i did personally like being able to see these police officers as just guys like they're guys I might have gone to high school with, you know what I mean? They're the, you know, I've always, cops have always been kind of over there, you know, or writing me a ticket or, you know, whatever they're doing. (laughs) And and I, 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 and so there's always, you know, for me, even um, there's been a little bit of a wall there that I just hadn't crossed over until I really started digging deep on some of the prep and, and, and hanging out with some of these guys and, you know, trailing them on a day-to-day and that was a real hook and a real access point for me that it's like okay I, I don't have to like I don't have to become a cop I have to be myself in the cop's position you know what mm-hmm. I mean and it, and it was a real access point for me and it freed me up a lot then uh I, I think in the way of some of my emotional prep and some of the other prep work I was doing and, and the physicality is another thing that really helps with the prep as well
0: yeah, you both done ride-alongs, right? Yeah. And I think it's um there's a couple of comic book writers who where I haven't seen like any of this stuff in film or TV. Really, the wire being like the closest kind yeah. of thing. But I think comic books is probably the closest thing where some of this kind of stuff has been dealt with with um there's a guy Brian michael brian bendis he had a series called powers so it was like yeah. cops solving crimes around superheroes so it's like really interesting and then there's another guy um ed brubaker who's got a series called criminal and like there's been a few which are great but yeah they know. deal with the kind of the intricacies of like detective work and stuff like that. And I know they've done ride alongs. So yeah. I was just wondering like, how did that really impact how you saw everything and how you kind of approach things from what you might have thought going in?
2: You know, I, yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I'll definitely ask you about those comic books again later. I want to check those out, but um, <clears throat> you know, I think speaking of the wire, like those those guys, David Simon, they did a follow-up series this past year called We Own This City. And that that to me, I was like, oh shit, they like scooped us. They like got it to air because like <laughs> so much of that show resembles some of the early stuff and all gone wrong, where it's like the semi-plain clothes officers kind of on their own set of rules and um, and that and that was like, okay, they they know what they're doing. They, you know, they are they're, they're telling a true story because that's what I saw too. But on these ride- alongs, you know, it it can feel fun because like I mean, it is true, I mean, it is truly like there's such a camaraderie that like you get kind of swept up in it, but then also like, it's a bit of a bubble. and they don't kind of see how it looks from somebody on the outside. And so in this, I wanted the audience to like, you know there's a reason why it's sort of built so that chris has to make this sort of central decision throughout the movie like what to do with the information he's getting because that was the decision i was like constantly weighing which is like if i were doing this and and i and then i would look at it from an outside perspective of just some of these things we're talking about like civil forfeiture being the way that you know seizing somebody's assets and that being a way to fund the unit like and then also you know just this like churn that these informants are on where they're just going to prison and then becoming informants and then going to prison and and that sort of thing. And that's just day to day. That's just like all legal. That's just how it looks when everything's on the up and up. And then like, you know, I just wanted to sort of think, what would it be like for me? And then, mm-hmm. and, but then what what's really interesting about cops is they, they kind of don't care if you like, this is this is so strange to me, but like it's true. You know, they don't care if you like show them as corrupt or point out all these sort of like gray areas of their job. If you show them like correctly handle the weapon, they're like your friend for life. They're like they 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 want they want like the the detailed details, right? They're like, oh yeah, he like entered the door correctly, and like mm-hmm. oh they they did their homework, you know, but. In the same scene you could be like dude this guy's a piece of shit like you know but they but they're like okay this guy this guy gets it this guy you know he 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 knows like he he uh he properly prepared for this movie and i just never understood that like there's no like perception of their job that they're that they want recreated it's it's how they move and how they train and stuff like that you know you know, on
1: some level, speaking to the speaking to the I, I feel like um, the camaraderie and the unit, the police, you know, uh, the, the cops um, and they are a very, very, very tight group. Uh, and I feel like it's a very stressful job and I feel like they see a lot of shit, you know, and and I feel also like they, they, they might see emotional blowouts in different directions from, from things. Um, and, you know there are issues and i think in a lot of ways my my view on police shifted a little bit in in the course of this project because i saw them on such a human level and and, and in, a, in a lot of ways you know speaking to the corruption and stuff i, I feel like the system is is what's flawed and, and in 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 a way everybody is victims a strong word but everybody is sort of at the effect of mm. that system and at the effect of that corruption i feel like you know I, I feel like police are put in situations they shouldn't be put in i feel like um um there are a lot of problems uh, systemically you know that um that that are you know that are probably you know at least that, that was my experience in sort of getting to know some of these guys like personally and, and 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 also sort of maneuvering around a little bit in the system you know doing the drive-bys and seeing those you know those day-to-day Wait
0: well, you, you did you did drive-bys jake <laughs> uh, no, yes, right now, right along. Yeah, you wanted to be so real. <laughs> this is the biggest scoop of the podcast. I eh? would be a <laughs> pretty document. Crying eyes, yo. <laughs> nice,
1: nice.
0: <laughs> no, that I, I think that's um. Yeah, that I think that is a big thing. It is like when people talk about police reform and defunding and stuff like that. It's just like you feel there needs to be more training, right? Processes need like recruitment processes need to be overhauled. Like, but it's like senior management that because it all trickles down, right? Yeah. You do shit when you feel I can get away with it right and you feel you can get away with it when you see your boss is doing grime so yeah. it's just the you know what i mean i think that that kind of stuff yeah i feel those things need to be overhauled rather than sometimes the system itself because at its core it's fine right it does a great job yeah but it's just these p- elements uh, are messy
1: I think there are are definitely larger ales that could ameliorate the situation as well, you know, Um, from social services to healthcare, you know, Mm. a lot of of different things. And, you know, and sending the police probably only need to go out on about 10% of the calls that they make, you know. Yeah. Um, If if, if, if we have a, you know, if we have a, this is a whole different conversation, I guess. But (laughs) (laughs) but I I feel like, you know, if we're speaking about sort of systemic corruption and systemic issues, I feel like other systems, um are also at play in that you know
0: oh for yeah. sure.
1: it's
2: it's yeah. one of the things that that drew me to just make it in the first place was just you know to jump on the idea that like there's going to be a there's going to be a cop crime thriller in here that people will want to watch that because i want to see it and i'm a fan of this type of stuff and now i'm able to bury these ideas that i see and and see firsthand and, and want to put in. And and so that was attractive to me. It was like, it was a way to sort of make, it was to make a genre film with some ideas that, that weren't just like in a line of dialogue as like the moral of the story towards the end of the mm. film, you know? Like I wanted to show, like, you know, I don't want to spoil the ending, but so many people have been like, what happens, you know? And that to me is like, okay good they're they're engaging with the question that i'm engaging with and i don't know the answer Mm. and uh and i hope that they try to think about how they would answer that question for themselves you know
0: yeah I, i think it's the moral ambiguity of the characters makes it authentic right, because you could have this hero cop running through being like, yo, I'm doing this for the street, you know what I mean, and you'd be like, oh, god damn. But the fact (laughs) that everyone is human, right, and at the very end, it's just like, you can see that the right thing is wanting to be done with the way everything is held and then the reach and all of that kind of thing, but then when it's just like, that thing oh we're not shutting you are and it's just like oh (laughs) yeah right if i do this thing then i don't get this thing and then when he's there you can also see him going do i want to do this like and that that thought process so it was it felt like the perfect way to end the film
2: yeah and and to me too like you know, as Chris moves through the story, he starts to become more and more that, like, he thinks of himself more and more as that sort of like hero cop. Mm. And I think, you know, a character like Jolene, played by Crystal Torres, she's there to be that, like, basically be the audience who kind of knows what the real world is like, and and she's there to pop that balloon and kind of tell him what it's what what is really what things really are, and whether he listens to that or not is, is how the movie plays out. And so, you know, just, I wanted there to be, you know, characters that, that had decisions to make and, and those decisions butt up against other people's decisions, you know?
0: Mm. Oh man, there was, there was a point in the film, right? I'm loving the film. And then this thing happened. And I was a bit like, why would that happen? i don't really i don't know if i buy this thing and i was like oh man like oh i don't yeah that's it's the one bit that i don't really get of the film and then you get to the end i was like oh shit (laughs) oh shit, yeah of course that had to happen because you have to and it was just like (laughs) oh fuck man i didn't (laughs) see that i this i think there's there's moments when you think oh this could maybe go but then something else happens. you're like oh okay they're not doing that thing okay but yeah you get to that bit towards the end and you're just like wait what <laughs> you've still got like yeah 15 minutes like what the fuck just happened okay. and I was thinking to myself, maybe it didn't really happen. And like you're in, it was a glancer and blah blah blah. And I'm like, okay, so get up. Yep.
1: Wait. <laughs> wait yeah. What's gonna
0: happen now? And it yeah. was just like yo. <laughs> I mean,
2: I got a lot, I got a lot of people. I mean, and Jade knows this too. There's a lot of notes. And <laughs> and this was this was on the script. Like before we went to production, and then like the people who invested in the film and and uh and really sort of like believed in the movie they they knew that ending and they knew what they wanted they they also wanted to make that movie but like getting to that point it's it's kind of one of the reasons why it probably took so long is people are like, ah, you know, can't it be more like and you know <laughs> fill in whatever kind of like form that they like to see and you know, you just want to be like, "Hey, didn't you hear? Yeah, like, did, didn't you understand how gray, like this world is? And like, if you just if you just know anything about how this stuff happens in real life, like, there's kind of no happy endings. Yeah. Like, there's you know, yeah. And you just want to be like, we we need to make sure that we entertain, obviously, and like have it be this sort of like thriller." But I also didn't want it to feel like it was doing so by deviating from what this world really is like. And um so that's yeah. I yeah, we're we're dancing around it. We're really dancing. But (laughs) but I but it was important to me. Because once we hit on that ending, it was like, yeah, this feels right. It's hard, it's hard to type those words and, and make it play out that way, but but it felt correct in in my opinion
0: okay people that's the end of uh part one of this conversation it it was so big i had to split it in two but it makes sense right because in part two we do get a little spoiler specific so if you haven't watched the film you might want to say part two for after that and if you haven't watched the film what the fuck are you doing people this is a great motherfucking film Go watch it, then check out part two. I see you in a bit. Peace.